We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm joined today. Finally, we're back together after a couple episode break. It's the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, it's been about a week. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm feeling recharged. I know I missed, uh, I guess, the last two episodes, but, uh, you know, not only are us, the boys, back, but, Alex, I can finally say it. I think the boys are back. I, I hope so, but at least on the column, undefeated last week. Yeah, they caught a couple of nice breaks there. I think the Wizards were on the second night of the back-to-back, same for the Knicks. So the Pacers were at home resting. They caught two teams that maybe were a little bit tired, not at their best, but honestly, I just think if you look at it overall, uh maybe all this turmoil all this all this rumor stuff all this gossip about this team and all the stuff on the outside you know kind of magnifying the problems that the Pacers have had the last couple of months just kind of overshadowed hey this team's you know getting a little bit of a wake-up call and uh they're responding pretty well to all the negative uh outside news we talked about it for a while what would it take you know first I thought it was you know, Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner with, with the tussle. I thought, hey, maybe that pumped some toughness into this team. And then, you know, there was other little things. The, the victory, you know, uh, little victories here and there. It's like, oh, wow. But it only lasted for a little bit. Once that news came up, maybe it was the wake-up call because I know the Pacers met. They basically discussed that, hey, they want to win together, but they're going to be taking calls. And maybe that was like that, guys, it's now or never. Otherwise, this this core could be breaking up. 
Whatever it is, the Pacers have responded this week. Three wins over, mentioned, Wizards, Knicks, Mavs. Those are all three potential playoff teams. So last year, all three of those teams made the playoffs. So, you know, like you mentioned, we caught a couple teams on back-to-backs, whatever. It's hard to win in this league. And the fact that the Pacers have their first three-game winning streak of the season, I'm very happy for it. Yeah, it's just kind of weird because when when you see the team come out and say they're going to rebuild, um, everybody was excited about that because we've been wanting change with this roster for like two to three seasons now. Felt like we really haven't got a chance at it. And then as soon as they start, uh, as soon as they announce that, the team starts playing better. The guys look like they're all playing for one another. Um, there's, you know, been some interesting stuff out there, you know, with what's been reported. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, you got three individuals in that starting lineup that, could really increase their trade value with a with a nice performances and that's what the, that's what we've seen really the last couple of weeks especially from Sabonis he's been on another level but Karis LeVert looked really nice the last couple of games and Miles Turner had some nice moments too in those games as well so I think you're starting to see them play at their best not sure if it's because it's a, a personal motivation to kind of prove like hey you want to trade me this is what you're going to miss out on or hey uh, hey teams, I'm available. Look at me. Look what I can do. Uh, I mean, whatever the motivation is, I'm uh, I'm okay with it. But I, I just I just don't know what direction this team wants to go because if they're gonna win games, right, Fachi, which is exciting for a fan, you know, if you're trying to rebuild, are wins necessarily the most important thing right now? It, it, it's such a tough question to answer. Yeah. I, I said it before, right before the Knicks game, I said because this was right after the report, you know, I guess maybe a day or two after the report. I said, so Pacer Nation, do we want to win this game? Because I felt that a couple wins could then have the front office and everyone be like, you know what? Hey, uh, let's put the phones down for a little bit. Let's just, let's just see what we got here first. And it's so classic that all of a sudden now the Pacers are winning just when people felt comfortable or all right, if they started to drop a few games and make some changes. So classic this team they, they just they won't let you out they keep drawing you back in just when you think you're out uh just a few numbers to, to crunch over that three game winning streak Alex they're averaging 27 assists per game which is winning basketball they've won the rebounding battle in all three games averaging nearly 42 rebounds per game they've averaged just 11 turnovers in that span they've shot the same if not more free throws than their opponents in all three games which never happens and then over the, the three games averaging 51% shooting from the field and 37% from three. That all looks like a real good basketball team. No, I mean, they've looked like the better team every single every single game this past week. I mean, they looked fantastic. Um, I was just sitting there waiting for them to maybe fall apart or, you know, there to be some, uh, you know, just some questionable play uh, going up against a team like Luka Doncic like, uh, and the Dallas Mavericks. Like, that game was getting kind of close there in the fourth quarter. I was like, oh, great, Luka's going to take over. We're going to lose this game. But, Pacers pulled out. Karis LeVert kind of took over in that moment. So uh, Brogdon as well. Brogdon had some really nice buckets down the stretch in that Mavericks game. But all in all, you know, uh, I wasn't really able to watch too much of the the Knicks game, but uh, didn't feel like I really needed to go and watch too much of it because the Pacers just dominated from start to finish. But with that being said, three-game winning streak. They've got the Warriors on Monday night. Looks like Steph Curry will probably not play in this game. So that, that could be another big break for the Pacers. Could get their fourth win in a row, but then December 15th happens on Wednesday. Number one, that opens up trades for like 80% of the league, and the Pacers are on the road against the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think our winning streak might come to an end there, but with how things are going with this crazy Pacers season, I think it's hard to put uh, any type of prediction on what's going to happen. 
Absolutely. Look, the winning streak can't last forever. Um, hearing that Curry is probably going to miss the game, who knows? It, it definitely gives us a little bit more hope that we can keep it going. Trust the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but look, if you can beat the Warriors with or without Curry, whatever it is, that's still a massive win and great for confidence boost for this team. But I mean, hey, they, they've responded. We'll see how long it lasts. But for right now, it's a fun time being a fan, getting some wins and knowing there could be some change, you know, in the future. Absolutely. Well, we've got a ton of mailbag questions to get into today. So we're going to take a quick break. When we uh, come right back, we will answer those questions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, we are here for Mailbag Monday. I'm going to start things off with our first question from Aaron M. on Twitter, at Hugh Pacers. He said, reports have come out that both Sabonis and Turner are unhappy. Do you think it's possible that both get traded? If the team goes on a run and wins the next four to five games, would, the, would that change the minds of the front office? I don't think it should. I mean, first off, um, you know, I don't think anyone's really happy losing, especially when you're sharing, you know, sharing the court like that. Uh, do I think it's possible that both of them get traded? No, I, I don't. Um, but should a few games winning, would that change the minds? It really shouldn't. There, there's even if you win a couple games, basically, I, I don't think that's going to change your your championship chances. So uh, I think you need to look at that separately of like, hey, this is a fun time right now. Good, good to end a losing streak, but this doesn't really change much. Yeah, so I, I think I think there's a possibility both do get traded. But it just it'd be very unlikely. I think one or the other does, based on what the reporting has been. It everything we've either, kind of heard. which I thought was key. Yeah, and in that in that report, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that is key. It's it's interesting because I really haven't heard anything come out of the the side of Demontis Sabonis besides what I posted yesterday on Twitter, and I capitalized only for a reason because Kevin O'Connor is literally the only person I've ever heard anything a negative about Sabonis, saying he just straight up wants out of Indiana. Uh, Scott Agnes replied to that with a one word uh, bomb and it said false. Uh, Scott Agnes has been actually killing it with covering this team and being a reporter. He's here every day with the team and has a great relationship with the players and their agents. So um, it's interesting to, to see that. And uh, Kevin O'Connor, uh, from what I've been told, does not have any connection with any of the Pacers agents. So um, all of his stuff that he's getting is not coming from any source that's within the uh locker room or within any of the players so interesting there uh and then jay michael actually chimed in on this which was hilarious about Sabonis, where he said there was a narrative being pushed last year that uh, he wanted to be traded like tj warren neither were true 
the origin was obvious if you talk to enough people, a few agents putting out the, the same story, the exact same story, likely repeating what they heard from each other. So that's kind of what I think it is. They probably have this one agent. Uh, I was tipped off to who that agent might be, but I'm not going to share that information. But um, it's just it's just interesting. And, and last question here, I, I really don't think it should change the mind of the front office if they do when I've, I've seen people getting mad at me when I was posting the trade ideas uh, podcast, Fachi. They're like, why are you wanting to like trade up, trade everybody on this team when we just won three in a row? It's like, yeah, I saw that. Oh it, my God. I'm like, people, it, we're still 13th in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, we haven't this, moved a spot. No, it's like we haven't really played anybody that's been playing great either. Like Dallas has been playing good. Washington. We've all been slumping. Yes. So it's like when we beat Golden State with Steph Curry or the Bucks with Giannis, okay, then we can maybe talk about, hey, we, we've got a good team here. But there's been clear issues with this roster dating back to before the season even started. So this is just something Kevin Pritchard had been wanting to do for years. It's in the reporting, right? So it's not just a it's not just a one off thing like hey we won five games in a row we have to change it so Aaron I think you're safe this team is still going to look different uh, because the Pacers would not have come out with that information if they were not willing to to make moves but let's move on this comes from Tweet Rant Therapy from Twitter Fachi he wants to know with Pacers declaring that they are open for business what's a reasonable expectation as far as when W H E N an eventual trade will happen do you think we're looking for young promising pieces and picks or establish vets and better fitting role players? I think it's the young and promising players and picks. Um, I, I do think that this Pacers, look, they're never one to pay the tax. You know, you already have now a couple of young, they're on the younger side, the team overall. So I don't think they're going to be looking to, you know, go even further all in and bring in some veterans that have, you know, higher paying salaries, unless it's like, you know, truly like a, a young star with a higher salary. So I would say I don't think they're in a rush to, to make the deal, but if the right deal comes along, I think they make it. I mean, look, yes, TJ Warren, they expect him to come back in January. I wouldn't be surprised if they at least want to see a few games back before they make some sort of deal, but I wouldn't expect a deal like next week or, or anything of the sort, maybe, maybe one to two months, but they'll be taking calls all along. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not sure when, when an eventual trade will happen. I think if you get a great offer that you like, it could happen anytime from now until trade deadline. But at the same time, you, you just got to be careful because you never know what else could be out there. You could play teams against one another to try to, you know, put the bidding war up, right? And that's what you should do if you're the Pacers. You kind of got all this leverage right now in determining in determining how, what you're willing to, to move on with and uh, what you want in return. But I do agree, promising pieces and picks is probably the way they should go. I could see them, you know looking at a combination of both, like maybe you get a, uh, a promising young piece, but you also get an established vet. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, not somebody that you're like, Oh, like he's going to give us like a ton of great minutes, but be more of like a role player type of thing. That's how I see it. Yeah. yeah. You know, the picks, I don't think the Pacers are too concerned with draft picks. I'll just be honest with you. They might like them for assets for the future. We as, as Pacer fans and me and Fachi specifically both covet draft picks way more than the Pacers. Oh, do. Yeah. I mean, how many times did we hear rumors last year that, Hey, if their guy's not there at 13th, they're looking at trading this pick. Like All the time. Feels yeah. Good. I mean, we felt like that pick was going to be traded for like multiple different times, right? So um, we actually ended up getting another pick last year with, uh, I'd say, a Jackson. So you, you never know with this Pacers team. It just depends on what guys they like. But uh, previous history points to the fact that they would probably love, rather have established vets with hopefully trying to get a young, promising player in here. Um, go ahead. Also, real quick, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, look at just some of the track record before trading a first-round pick to, to bring in Malcolm Brogdon, the sign trade. 
uh, trading a first-round pick, which ironically was Karis LeVert for Thad Young. I mean, if the Pacers don't really like where, you know, someone's going to be at their pick, they they never hesitate to make that mm-hmm. move. So I, I do think the the young players with, you know, wh- whoever's attached to it would be more of the route, whether it is that veteran or it's someone who, you know, has the salary to, to fit a trade that they're looking to make. So that, that's what I would expect. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, next question here comes from Jake Elrod on Twitter. Uh, good friend, Jake. So I uh, really appreciate the question. He said, how would you rate Lloyd's first game as head coach? And do you notice any variance from how Rick coaches? Hey, uh, first off, Jake, love you. Appreciate you. Um, I would say in terms of the first game, I mean, one thing I noticed, uh, obviously the Pacers won. That's great. Ball movement was fantastic. 28 assists. Um, played great D. Uh, the 36 three-pointers, I thought that was a lot in the game. Um, you know, anytime you're close to 40, I feel like that that's a lot. But other than that, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the Pacers, they were they they were in control in this game throughout. That's something that I liked. Did you just tell Jake that you loved him? Well, friend of the show, you know. Man, you haven't even ever told me that. We've been doing this three years. Wow, Jake, you're getting some extra credit over there. I, but... Maybe I'll, maybe I'd say, instead I'll say, Jake, I miss you. It's been a while. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> just giving you a hard time. But uh, with that being said, I, I didn't notice any variance, and I don't think we're going to. I think Rick's uh, blueprint is going to be the same, whether who's calling the shots. This is more of a collection of guys, kind of how they've all been. They're a, they're a by-committee type, type of group. I don't think it's Lloyd versus Rick. I know I've been seeing some people throw out the idea that, hey, Rick should step down. This should be Lloyd Pierce's team. The guys will respond better. You know, Rick had a rough go-ahead with the roster in Dallas last year. It's like, you know, I'm not I'm not buying into that narrative right now, Jake. Uh, I I think Lloyd pretty much coached it the same way Rick would have. Uh, they've been kind of maybe he didn't call as many plays. I think he actually said that he let Malcolm call a lot of the plays down the stretch. Um, we we know that Lloyd is more of a defensive minded guy, so him kind of taking his hands off the offense a little bit might have let the players feel like they were had a little bit more rain. But Rick already said that he kind of did the same thing too. So I don't necessarily think it really I noticed anything, but. Um, I think it's great having Lloyd as an assistant head coach because when you do have a situation like you have now with Rick Carlisle being out with COVID, uh, you know, it's nice to have that veteran coaching experience on the bench so you can rely on somebody to take take the right timeouts when needed, make the right substitutions, and uh, just be able to to kind of coach an NBA team and uh, not feel like you're missing a beat. Exactly. Someone who's been there. I mean, I couldn't even imagine – the coaching staff last year in this situation, like who would have taken over and how the Pacers would have performed. It wouldn't have been good. Lloyd Pierce, we, we've dove into his credentials before. I mean, been a head coach, been with Team USA. He's been there. We're, we're blessed to be able to have an assistant head coach who can step in and you're not going to be like, oh, man, well, you know, I hope this isn't a circus tonight. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Foch. And um, he, he gave credit to his coaching staff as well for their input and what they did to uh, – help impact the game and, and, and coaching decisions with timeouts and substitutions and stuff like that. He said it was actually uh, Matt Weiner and uh, Ronald Norris who called a timeout or told him to call a timeout that was pretty quick with like three minutes left in the fourth to get Domas back into the game because they had one to burn. So um, just, just smart basketball uh, IQ right there to try to get your, one of your better players back in, but let's move on. Next question. This comes from BS express. He said, I think anyone who has followed the Pacers long-term understands what this team is missing, a star player. Domas seemed a bit hurt during the last game that he wasn't it. What do you consider a star in the NBA? For me, top 20 player in the NBA gets you that title. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you could say top 20, but like there's there shouldn't I don't know if there needs to be like a specific number unless you're doing like, hey, top 10, because when you look at the back end of that 20, you know, you might have like a, a fringe, you know, more of like an all star and Domas being a two time all star. It's like I, I can't consider him a star player, but he's in that, you know, all star area. And, and when they asked him that, I mean, basically, um, you know, he responded by saying, I don't know what to say because you want to be able to treat what should be the face of your team as that, that star, but it's obvious the Pacers don't view him that way. Um, I would say top 15 player is typically, I feel like a star. Uh, the Pacers do not have one. I think that's someone that you can go to at the end of the game and say, Hey, this is the guy we're giving the ball to the defense. Can't do anything about it. Unfortunately, the Pacers do not have that player. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually think what Kevin Pritchard said was that big of a deal to me personally to the athletic. And I, this has been brought up on the Zach Lowe podcast. I think uh, Scott Agnes brought it up on his podcast as well, talking about this comment of the Pacers don't have a star. And, you know, James Boyd, Indy star beat writer, asked Domas about it. And like you said, he just really didn't have an answer for him. And I think people were like, yeah, he looked pretty upset by that. But um, number one, it tells you he didn't really read the article because he didn't really seem to care that much. Uh, number two, I, I don't actually blame Kevin Pritchard for saying that because as great as the Montes Abundance has been the last couple of years, you know, he's an all-star. He's a fringe all-star, right? I mean, he didn't even make the original cut last year. So, and he's limited in what he can do. You're not going to give him the ball at the end of the game. To me, that's, to me, that's kind of what a star is. Someone that can take over a game exactly. and uh, dominate it for multiple stretches where I think Domas can really impact the game. I don't think I would see like stretches of him and in, in, in clutch moments where he's just completely dominating, like no offense, but uh, in that game against the Mavericks, he didn't shoot the ball one time in the fourth quarter, neither, neither did Miles Turner. So, I mean, with that being said, it's like he's a really good player. I mean, I, I really like DeMontis Sabonis, but he's not a star. And um, I, I think if you go back and you listen to our conversation we had with Kevin Pritchard before the season started, Pachi, we brought up DeMontis Sabonis, and, and he didn't really seem to overpraise or hype him at all. It was just kind of yeah. like, kind of just like nice comments. And then, Anytime anybody has asked Rick Carlisle about DeMontis Sabonis, it's always kind of been just like par for the course. It's always just like he's a really good player. He really helps impact winning. But they never go out of their way to like baby him or pamper him or whatever you want to say to like lift him up and make him look like he's some elevated player that uh, they don't think he is. I mean, I think he's a really good player. But if he was a star, there is absolutely no way this team would be even mentioning his name as a potential trade target for other teams to get. So, um, you know, really good player. He's, he's got a nice resume for sure, but at the same time, I mean, as big of a Sabonis fan that I am, I don't think he's a star whatsoever, um, but I think he's a good fringe all-star. He's in that 30 to 40 top player range, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, I definitely put him top 30, um, you know, for sure um, at this point, but we've all talked about it, and everyone who's come on the show and brought it up, he's not a star. He, he's not. The Pacers don't have a star. That That's known across the league. But what is Sabonis supposed to say when asked that? Is he supposed to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not a star. Everybody knows that. Like, he would never say that. Right. If, you're, if you're an all-star, you should think of yourself as a star. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the, the matter of the fact is, is that he's, he's a real good player, but he wouldn't be a star on any other team. And, and if, he, if he was, that team's not, like, being a contender. So – yeah, and that's just what it comes down to at, at the end of the day. And and yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely to you had a great point where the front office has not catered to him in terms of like over maybe over pumping his confidence and and saying that he's a star. So, you know, could that rub him wrong, like internally to himself? Yeah, probably, because I mean, he is the guy with, 
you know, all the stats that the, the only, you know, all-star on the team and all that. But matter of fact is he, he's not a top 20 player in the NBA. Let's move on, Fachi. Our next question here comes from Jake Exline, fan of the week last week. So, Jake, thank you once again for coming on and for sending in another question. Um, his question for us, Fachi, is if the Pacers were to rebuild and acquire a high draft pick in the 5-10 to 10 range, who are a couple of names to look out for? All right. So I got a couple names right in front of us right now. Now, where where these guys end up going, uh, you know, when, once the season ends, college basketball or, you know, what, whatever, the G League, whatever it is, that remains to be determined. Determined, but uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Yes, forward. Milwaukee, yes, he, that guy's a stud. Expect to be a top five pick. Uh, I'm also going to go with with guys that are more like um, you know likely to to fit the team. I'm not going to you know bring up another center. Uh, there's Jaden Hardy on uh, Ignite, the G League Ignite. There's uh, Kendall Brown on Baylor. He's a forward, uh, and Jaden Hardy's a guard. Uh, Kennedy Chandler, he's a point guard out of Tennessee. Ironically, in the mock draft that I was looking at, they had him going to the Pacers at 10th overall. So shows that uh, they don't think we're going to really, you know, turn the ship around. Uh, there's Keegan Murray from Iowa. He's, he's a forward. Caleb Houston, he's another forward out of Michigan. So a lot can change over here. I mean, one guy, you know, Jaden Ivey right now, yeah. they have in the top five. We spoke about him last week from Purdue. So you got the local product over there, a guard. So we'll see how things shake out. But those are some names to, to keep an eye on. I did not mention the biggest players in the draft because I don't see the Pacers creeping into top three. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, Fachi. He did ask for the 5-10 to 10 range. So I feel like it's fair that we, we stay with that 5-10 to 10 range. Uh, a name he did mention is Ty Ty Washington, freshman guard out of Kentucky, 6'3". Um, you know, not dominating like – like a lot of other players out there right now in college basketball. Um, but, you know, Wildcats always seem to be pretty good first-round draft picks, have been for the last couple of years. Uh, he's pretty good at catching shoot jumpers, and uh, he's hitting his floaters at a high clip. So that's that's something that I would love to see on this Pacers team, just another guy that can play some point guard. Uh, but you brought up the guy that I've been kind of keying in on since the season was, you know, getting off to that one-and-six start, and that is Patrick Baldwin Jr. PB&J, baby, hit me up with that. Uh, you know, I, I he's at Milwaukee. Okay, so this, this is like a guy that went to a small school. Uh, he, he's got a ton of potential, and I think this is the type of player you want because he's a wing. He's six foot ten. Could play small forward. Could play power forward. That's the position this team desperately needs. Um, he's playing for his father in Milwaukee too, which is kind of cool. So had an opportunity to go to bigger schools and said, nope, I'm playing with my father instead. So seems like he doesn't really care about the spotlight. Uh, Indianapolis seems like a great place for him. Uh, especially if he's choosing Milwaukee and he, he wants to be close to home. So uh, this is a guy that I would love, love, love the Pacers to get. And I'm uh, kind of getting more attached to him than I even was Moses Moody. That's how much I'm falling in love with wow, this guy. Wow, that says a lot, people. That does. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our next question and then we'll take a quick break. But this one comes from Destin Adams. He goes, each of you guys, please rank a uh, player from one to should trade away the most to the bottom, which would be 15, should, shouldn't think about trading. So, um, I had just sent these questions over to Fachi about like 1.30, so he didn't get a chance to rank these. So, Destin, I'm sorry. But I did go ahead and rank these, and then Fachi's going to kind of give his two cents on what I uh, what I said. So, in terms of most willing to trade to least willing to trade, we'll start with most willing to trade, Brad Wanamaker, number one. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Lamb, number two. Gogo Batadze, number three. This one might be controversial, but that's where I had him at was three. Uh, four was Torrey Craig. Five was Keelan Martin. Six T.J. McConnell, seven, Justin Holiday, eight, O'Shea Brissett. And then it's kind of like, okay, the three names that we talked about, Karis LeVert, number nine, Miles Turner, number 10, Domas Sabonis, number 11, 
and then 12, TJ Warren, 13, Isaiah Jackson, 14, Chris Duarte, and then 15, because he can't be traded this year, is Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, hey, that, that's, that's definitely uh, it's pretty good. I mean, obviously, you can't argue with Brad Wanamaker at number one, Lamb at, at number two. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a guy that he's got to be moved. Just the expiring, like the Pacers can't just hold on to him. You, you trade him for, I would say, at that point, anything you can get. Yeah, um, I maybe maybe I should have put Goga higher and move Craig and Martin down a little bit below him, th- but that that's what I was gonna say for Tory yeah. Craig. I I want to see a bit more of, of Tory Craig, you know, in the season. Like I, I just feel like, you know, it's so weird. His, his like situation with the Pacers is not really what you would have expected. I mean, two minutes again against Dallas, four minutes against the Knicks. It's like this is a guy that like. <laughs> Thought right. he'd have a little bit bigger of a role for. I know he's been sick lately, but um, yeah, it's it's and, O'Shea said he's been taking his minutes. Carlisle said that those two are very similar, and so that's why I think we haven't seen them play a whole lot together. Um, O'Shea Brissett's contract is so cheap right now. That's why I don't want to trade him for what for what no, uh, ever you, reason. You, get you know, and, and well, I think you get something for him. You just could well, you'd have to attach him to something. But that that's exactly like straight up. You're not getting right, right, right. I'm just saying I don't want to trade him. He's 23 years old and he's on a really uh, really nice contract. So he's a, one of the last guys that I really want to trade. That's not part of like your rookies or, or your starting five that you've projected. So that's why I put those seven in the back, um, you know, between Karis miles and Domas. I just, I'll just say this. I, I think that Karis Levert is a guy that can be a bit of a ball stopper. I think you've got Chris Duarte who really does fit that shooting guard position. Well, he doesn't do everything Karis does, but I think that, Moving Karras, in a sense, could be kind of like an opening of a, of a door for Chris Duarte to just continue to start whenever T.J. Warren comes back healthy. And then between Turner and Sabonis, um, you know, however you feel about either center, it's it's up for debate, right? I just think that Sabonis is the two-time All-Star, number one. And, and number two, the fact that Sabonis isn't the one that came out to the media about frustrations with his role. Uh, I'm curious to see how that impacts Miles Turner and his relationship with the Pacers. Uh, uh, people probably would say it won't, but I, I can see if I'm a team making decisions and uh, I've got Sabonis locked, locked up for another year and uh, and Turner went to the media about role clarity instead of just talking to us about it behind the scenes. And maybe he did talk to them behind it about the scenes and they just didn't uh, seem to do anything to give him clarity on that. So he felt like he had to go public, but with whatever reason that was Fachi, um, I, I just could see where the front office might be more apt to trade him over Sabonis because of uh, how he kind of made a, a public story about his frustrations with what's going on. It's it's definitely possible. I do think, and we've talked about it before, that more people are going to be calling about Miles Turner because it just seems to fit. You know, a lot of teams have that defensive issue and, and, and you know, a big man that can block shots, hit threes. I mean, it might be more appealing to some teams because not everyone might be in the market for what Sabonis does. But I do think we've seen lately, you give Sabonis more touches He's more effective. The team has been better. So I think them playing through Sabonis a bit more lately has been the move. And I think if they can allow him to be that sole center, I think it could be really appealing. Turner, I think at this point, he wants more. He wants more attention. And he's definitely deserving of more attention. This guy, seven years in the Pacers, longest tenure Pacer, still, you know, playing as basically that almost like that fifth option in the starting lineup. We've talked about his usage. It, it's down. It is. But we've noticed, Alex, he's he's done a lot more podcasts this year and interviews and kind of like trying to get his name out there a little bit because I feel like he's tired of kind of being the guy that's, you know, not to say maybe living in Domas's shadow, but not being talked about as much. So, you know, 
what I don't think that's going to make the Pacers be like, oh, you know what? We got to get this guy out of here. But I do think more people will be calling about him, which will mean there's more options, which means that I think he's more likely to get traded. Yeah, I, he fits into more teams. I don't know if he'll yeah. get you more back because he doesn't have the yeah, two-time exactly. all-star resume. He doesn't have any defensive accolades added to his name other than, you know, led the league in blocks. I mean, that's not his fault. It just he didn't get voted on it for defensive player of the year or defensive uh, first or second team. So that's kind of what he probably wants is a bigger opportunity to kind of get more pub uh, pub to his name, more recognition to his name. I mean, he went on a whole campaign last year about defensive player of the year, uh, really trying to advocate for that. So, I mean, he's not a guy that's afraid to put his name out there and, and try to get recognition. So uh, that's just not who Sabonis is. Sabonis is a pretty quiet guy that's not on social media, doesn't say too much. So, um, you know, just two different guys. But I, I could see where someone being more vocal could uh, cause a team that's pretty quiet like Indiana to not want to have to deal with that. But at the same time, I mean, if, you, uh, if you're a big Miles Turner fan, you clearly understand why you're kind of frustrated or why he's frustrated with what's been going on. But Fachi, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, finish up these Twitter questions and we'll keep moving on with our mailbag. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, let's get back to it. This one comes from the trade deadline. Fachi said, give us, a least, uh, give us a list of five prospects who have, one, been in the league for one to three years, haven't scratched the surface of who they could be, and who could realistically be had in a trade package for Levert or Turner or both. All right, so this is going to be a tough one. We might have to come back and answer this on another podcast. I, I think we are just because, like, you're trying to find those five type of diamond in the rough type of guys that that need change. I mean, I don't have five for you, but I, I've I've been in love with Cam Reddish for a long time. I, yeah. I really I really feel like that's a guy that you know could be a two way player in this league, and I, I think Atlanta has so many options over there that it's really hard for him to. To flourish um so your I guy Keldon Johnson down in San Antonio you liked him for a while always love me some Keldon Johnson I, I think that he's very under I mean think about this that guy was a surprise pick to many to make team USA but he's someone that that is he's going to be a really good player Marvin Bagley Jr we've talked about it before that guy needs a change of scenery so bad yeah, I don't want Marvin Bagley I, I, I don't team. love him but I know I know he's capable of more so um those guys like that I mean Darius Baisley, I think, is someone who's really talented in Oklahoma City. I don't know if they'd, they'd be willing to move him, but, you know, he could be someone who's really good. Uh, this let guy's me, already Let, me, let yeah. me top off your list here. What do you got? Obi Toppin. Yeah. Obi Toppin did a between – what do you do? A between-the-legs dunk against the Pacers on a fast yeah. break? Yep. Tom Thibodeau's got him kind of buried in the bench, and uh, fans absolutely love him. I think that he's the type of athletic power forward, small forward this team could use – 
Uh, I don't really know what he's shooting wise. I should probably pull up his stats and, and be better at looking at up statistics. But off the top of my head, I feel like that's a guy that just is screaming like, hey, potential guy. And he was an older draft pick, which I think the Pacers might be intrigued by. Uh, but that's somebody that I think would be really nice on this team. Yeah, I mean, Obi Toppin, he, he's taking a step forward this year. I got his numbers up in front of us. He's shooting 53%. He's averaging 8.7 points per game, four rebounds. I mean, this this is a guy that was he was a top 10 pick, I think eighth overall. Yeah. So he's, he's very talented. Uh, it's hard to get minutes on the Knicks for, for young guys, but at least he's getting more than he was last year. Um, other than that, I, I do think we'll owe you a little bit more justice and have to come back to, to this because that's like a, always a fun segment of like, Who's the young guys that, that just need some change of scenery? Um, so we'll, we'll have to come back and, and yeah, more justice. And, and this is just kind of a, a rough, like kind of going through, like just quickly, like scanning things, but we'll go ahead and spoil it. Tuesday, we're going to do a top 10 list of players we think the Pacers could trade for uh, with everything coming out. So with it being the 15th, the very next day, that'd be perfect to record on Tuesday night, some potential uh, guys we think the Pacers could trade for. And I'm sure there will be plenty of prospects in that one to three range that we could, we could discuss there, but let's move on. Fachi. The next question here comes from Matt Matram. He said, I really love miles Turner. Most teams would love him, his range. And he defends a rim. His value is high. In my opinion, is there any scenario where he stays and Sabonis slash other pieces get moved? And if so, how would you imagine this to look for the Pacers? Thanks for the awesome podcast. Hey, appreciate you, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we, we talked, we just covered it just briefly that Turner's range, defending the rim, it's going to be coveted by, by more teams that are in the market for that than Sabonis. And I do think there's a scenario where he stays and Sabonis could be moved because we can't say that there isn't. The Pacers, it sounds like they're open to taking calls for everyone. So anything can happen. I think if they were to stick with Turner, I think they might try and buy into more of a defensive approach over there. I mean, it'd be curious to see, you know, what they're doing at the four. Are they going with TJ Warren then more at the four? And then, you know, do you still have Levert? Is, is he moved? I mean, it definitely opens up a starting spot for Duarte if you want to slide Levert down to, to the three a bit. But, um, you know, I, I think it would be very interesting, but I'm still curious to see Turner as the sole big for an extended period of time that that's why I'm, I'm still a bit hesitant on offensively. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what exactly we'd, we'd have to get. Right. I mean, if the team Pacers do it, I think it'd be fine. I think you can make Turner work as a solo five. I mean, we've seen it happen uh, before when Turner was a lot younger and it wasn't like always great, but there were some nice moments that he had. Um, I mean, if you go back just a couple of years ago against the Miami heat in the bubble, like Turner didn't play bad. The first game, he was really bad in game one. Uh, I was like, really, this is the performance we're getting. And then, the next three games after, you know, not playing well, he really stepped up and uh, had some nice moments. So I don't think that it'd be the worst thing if he's the solo center for the Pacers. But, um, you know, I think there is a scenario where Sabonis could get moved. Uh, if Sabonis is upset about what Kevin Pritchard said about him and they have a conversation and he says privately, hey, KP, I want you to move me. Uh, there's a way you can look at it that way. Um, if uh, Sabonis just some team calls about him and they offer the Pacers the mother load, then hey, you got to make that move. I mean, <laughs> we want this team to get better, even if it's making those tough decisions and parting parting ways with guys that we really like. So, um, you know, if, if they do the same thing with Turner, like if they get a great offer for him, they should do it. They shouldn't just trade Turner to trade Turner. I wouldn't just yeah. trade a player to make a trade because, you know, he wants a bigger role. But if he's going to be disgruntled, then that's something else we got to talk about. But I don't, I don't think he will be. But um, 
I think we could look more mod. I just think we'll look more modern no matter which big we trade, to be honest with you. Uh, of course. Um, right. To. Yeah. But defensively, I think we'll be better if we uh, keep Turner. But yeah, offensively, I, I but offensively, we, we would really take a step back without Sabonis because he just does so many little things. And really, I don't think fans appreciate how much he does. That's not noticeable. Uh, but that's that's from the day. Let's move on, Fotch. Evan Price always sends in a great question usually. So, Evan, uh, he asks, what do we have to do to swap Brad Wanamaker's minutes for anyone else? <laughs> play uh, Washington? Can we play Goga? Uh, I, he just wants Brad Wanamaker off of this uh, rotation. <laughs> Essentially, because, I mean, obviously, you know, Goga and Brad Wanamaker, uh, the rules are going to be a bit different uh, from each other. So, you know, in order to, to swap out his minutes, I think it might help to get a new backup point guard because, you know, the Pacers are limited at point guard right now. Um, I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I thought it was at least interesting to see that Keeper Sykes is leading the G League in assists. Um, you know, that was Keeper. Yeah, that's it. And I remember I told you I, I wasn't ready to quite give him the keys. but I, I <laughs> To also, the third string. <laughs> the third string point guard role. But you know what? I'm starting to come around a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the Pacers needed just at one point, depending on the direction they're going in, maybe just sign someone new and, and, and just give them a shot. Or if you make a trade and you bring in someone at point guard, uh, they can take Brad Wanamaker's minutes. Yeah. If you listen to Scott Agnes podcast yesterday, he was like, look, he's like, no offense. He's like, but I think Lance Stevenson's better than Brad Wanamaker as a, as a player overall. He said, Brad might be more of a traditional point guard, but Lance is a better player. It's like, look, uh, <laughs> I would much rather have Lance on this team. Absolutely. I think Lance would put some uh, butts in the seats. That's for sure. Uh, give us a little bit of moments. Uh, and, you know, if he's only playing 10 minutes a game, who cares, right? Uh, Wanamaker is a pretty good spot-up shooter. I don't think he's, uh, you know, really anything else better than that. Every once in a while, he'll have a nice little burst where he'll make a really nice pass or, you know, cut at the right time. But most of the time, he's just in the bad position defensively, gets in foul trouble, that kind of thing. I mean, he's a he's a backup point guard uh, with TJ McConnell hurt, so it's not like he's killing anything. But, yeah, I, I don't want to really see Gogo right now that with too much big. I don't want to see that. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr.? Sure, why not? Uh, but I, I still don't think Dwayne Washington Jr. is going to help this team uh, much better than Brad Wanamaker just because, uh, you know, I, I've seen a little bit of Washington in the G League, and uh, he looks okay down there. But coming up to the NBA it's in the pros, it's just a bigger it's a bigger responsibility. I mean, we saw how many times T.G. Leaf go down there and put up huge numbers and come back in the NBA and just not be able to, to maintain. So, uh, you know, I think maintain you play Wanamaker. putting it nicely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just trying to be nice, Fletch. It's like, it's it's Sunday. We've won three games in a row. Like, let's just be nice. But Brad Wanamaker, uh, you know, I get it. I get it, Evan. We're all tired of seeing bad Wanamaker. So we'll, uh, we'll move on. Matthew Peck said, in all the turmoil of the season, the one certain bright spot uh, has been the sudden, and for me, unexpected development of Keelan Martin. Can either of you explain how he became such a defensive stalwart and how important for the future of the club he is? I mean, I, I think Keelan Martin's just that guy that knows that he, you know, coming into the season was on the fringe of either being in the NBA or not. And I think that when called upon, he was ready from the start. I mean, I know he missed, you know, the first few games of the season. And I was wondering, like, man, I don't think that helps him in terms of keeping his keeping a job, but at the same point, from the second that he really got in there, he's he's been good this year. I mean, he really has been effective, and I think that that's that guy who's playing for that first, like, real NBA contract. I know it's like – well, I think it was like $1.7 million this year, but, you know, they kept pushing his date back and pushing it date uh, back before they would guarantee it, and that's that guy who is really hungry to stick around. So, um, you know, how, how important is he moving forward? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to say that he's, you know, should be – 
more important. But at the same point, you know, we gotta we gotta wait and see how this 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 turns out because the Pacers they have some young guys. They're in that crossroads right now where you know who's sticking around. But that could be that type of guy that maybe you go with the Edmund Sumner approach and you you sign him to that cheap deal that might pay him like. $3 million per year and it ends up being a steal. Pacers did it basically by locking up Brissett, locking up Sumner early. And I think those were great deals. Yeah. I mean, Keelan Amigo has been kind of frustrating a little bit this season with his inconsistent shooting, but, but outside of that, like he did hit some nice threes, uh, especially against the Mavericks. And I remember he had a big one and in, in that fourth quarter, but I, I think with Keelan, it's just like you said, Fox, he's a guy that just trying to find his spot in the NBA, find, trying to find a place to call home. He wants to be here in Indiana. They clearly like him enough to continue to move back his, uh, you know, deadline uh, during training camp. They kept moving him back, moving him back, and finally guaranteeing that contract once they made some moves and they and then ended up trading Edmund Sumner and, instead of just cutting Keelan Martin to bring on a backup point guard. So that's uh, that tells you how much I think about Keelan. But I also think where Keelan is very valuable, um, while he's in the rotation now, you might look at a roster of 15 players and you might say, you know, if Keelan's my 11th or 12th man, I feel much better about that just because he's a guy that can get in there and play some spot minutes, but he's not a guy you have to rely on every night. But if you do have to rely on him every night, you're not like, oh, man, we're really going to be hurting. So if the Pacers, for some reason, did like a two-for-one or a three-for-one deal where they traded like two or three guys and got one in return, and then you need someone to step up here and play a little bit of a bigger role, I think Keelan Martin is capable of doing that. I just don't think that ideally you want him to be your first or second guy off the bench. But uh, with what he's been doing, you have to just give the man props and uh, shake his hand and say, thank you for your service. But at the same time, we can't expect role players to to play at a high level for 82 games because it's just such a long season. Absolutely. All right. Aaron Gristle said, do you think the Pacers midterm three-year ceiling is higher by moving Sabonis Levert plus picks within reason for Simmons or to move our vets for picks that could help us get into the top five picks in 2023? Okay, the Patriots midterm ceiling. He said three. Was that over the next three years? Is that basically? What I, I'm assuming about? You know, yeah. up until 23, right? 21, 22, 23. Okay, yeah. So, do you think the Pacers three-year ceiling is higher by moving Sabonis Levert plus picks for Ben Simmons? Um, you know, Sabonis Levert could go to other teams yeah. to satisfy Philly, whatever, or to move our vets like Sabonis Turner, uh, uh, Levert for uh you know potential top five picks in 2023 i mean i always i always love the mystery box i mean getting a top five pick i feel like is, is your way to like you're getting a guy on a cheap contract that can grow with you you know you've talked about who could potentially be with the team for eight nine years you know whatever it is um you'll have his rights so that's always really appealing yeah you, go, you make that move for ben simmons and you're paying him like 35 million dollars per year you better keep adding to it because at that point you need to be trying to contend so a top five pick i'm sorry but that's always the route i want to go it's just so appealing and we haven't done it in over 30 years yeah and i think if you go back and listen to my episode with sam quinn like he brought it up like hey is portland and indiana trying to go into rebuild mode knowing that hey they can maybe land a top five pick in 2023 and i'm like i don't think the paces are really trying to do all that but um, you know, he brought up the class of 2023 being one of the better ones in recent recent years. Um, Kevin O'Connor brought that up on their podcast on the mismatch, talking about some of the prospects in that draft class. So, you know, there's just a lot of guys that people are high on in 2023. So, you know, we've seen enough of us uh, of Bonus and Levert to realize that, um, you know, if you move them plus picks for Ben Simmons, uh, the rest of this roster might be a little bit better. 
with with Simmons there as that as that guy. But Simmons is such a mystery box too. Like he hadn't been playing all year long. Is he really going to be motivated to play in Indiana? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so either. You know, I would love less than a hundred percent from him. And yeah, after it's, it's going to be tough. I would say slam dunk on the on the picks. Oh, yeah. uh, help us get into the top five. And even if you don't get into the top five, like what are the odds? Like you maybe get like two or three that are like top ten. Uh, based on the trades you got, and then maybe try to package those to move up to find a guy you really like. You know, there's always that mystery box, like Fachi always likes to say. So uh, I know who Ben Simmons is. He's a good good basketball player, uh, top 25 player that I would probably say that I'd, I'd be okay with that if you want to put him in that spot. I just don't know if he would love to be in Indiana. That's my biggest fear with that. Uh, I think you'd have a better chance getting a, a draft pick that might be interested and uh and staying in indiana the last question here from twitter this comes from indy pacers nba after winning the last three games do you think that the franchise will continue begin the rebuild or retool process i mean they they said they want to win together but they're going to be open to making calls so i, I do think that they're going to continue to try and like win games but you know if the right deal come, comes along i mean last year the pacers had a winning record when they traded oladipo um yeah. so you know i think that they're going to be open to the right deal knowing that I think they, they've looked in the mirror and said, this is not a championship roster. This could be a playoff team if, if everything works out like that, but this isn't going to be the, like, man, we're, we're almost there. This could be a conference finals, you know, NBA, you know, finals team. So I think they're going to continue to take calls when the right deal comes around. I think they'll make it. Yeah, they're still going to retool. They're still going to rebuild. Um, we've kind of talked about that earlier. I'm not trying to be mean, but uh, it would take like a 25-game winning streak for this Pacers front office to – Hey, maybe we have something special here uh, to really change things up. I mean, if they went 25 games in a row, I told somebody I'd pay him $1,000 on Facebook. So uh, I'm hoping they don't do that because I don't have $1,000 to pay him, but I'm a man of my word. So I'll pay him whatever I have to do. If I got to sell stuff, I'll, I'll figure out $1,000 to pay him. But I did say for Pacers put 25 games in a row this season, uh, I will pay him $1,000. But that is what it's going to take. Some drastic winning streak or like 15 of like 17 where they're just like clicking and you know, we saw how Thad Young cried to Kevin Pritchard and uh, said, please don't break up our core when Victor went down. And, you know, Kevin gave him the benefit of the doubt and kept them together. So um, I just I just think with Herb signing off, it's pretty much a done deal. Uh, you're going to see some moves because they want fans in stands. And right now, this core is not getting it done. But Fachi, let's go ahead and wrap up episode one. This is part one of the Mailbag Podcast. We'll have another a uh, handful of questions on part two so make sure you guys come and check that out so thank you everybody for submitting questions for part one we'll be right back with part two make sure you check out that episode next everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.